You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Homemade bombs and suspicious packages were mailed yesterday to prominent Democratic leaders, including former President Barack Obama and Bill and Hillary Clinton. Are you surprised? Maybe you shouldn't be, given the rhetoric of division and the embrace of violence that comes each day from the current president, Donald Trump. For his part, the president said yesterday that we need to unify. But how soon will it be before we see him back on the campaign trail, painting the people who were the targets of these mail bombs as the enemy? That's where we want to continue the conversation today on Detroit Today. And joining us to talk more about all of this is Peter Trumbor. He is a professor of political science at Oakland University. Peter, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning, Stephen. Yeah, so let's start with this. This is something that you and I have talked about before. Would you classify this as terrorism? So ordinarily, I'm pretty cautious to make that determination before we know uh, sort of really concretely about motive. But if you put all the pieces together, uh, if you uh, the the targets of the uh, the mail bombs, the the manner in which those devices were constructed, some of the evidence that's been uh, revealed inside those packages, some of the imagery that was included on some of the devices, uh, the the political rhetoric, and the sort of the online chatter that surrounds some of this. And I think that, that you add all that up, and I think it's safe to make the determination even before they have uh, picked up a, or identified a suspect. So, yeah. again, you know, in a lot of times I would, be, I would be cautious because really the, you know, understanding whether or not something is or, or isn't terrorism really requires us to know something about motive. But I, I hear the whole kind of package, I think, together – indicates pretty strongly that there is some kind of political motivation behind this action. Uh, have we seen this kind of apparently coordinated uh, attack, attempted attack on political leaders before in this country? Uh, these are not people who are office holders now. I don't think there were any, uh, although Maxine Waters, I think, is, uh, right. is one of the Waters people current, yeah. who, was, uh, who was attacked. But it, uh, it has the, the patina of a coup, I think, in, in some ways, or it would be seen that way if it were, uh, if all of these people were still in office. I, I can't think of, other than the Lincoln assassination, where there was an attempted yeah. coup, uh, the, there were supposed to be multiple assassinations. This is not something that happens in America. I, I think that this is much more reminiscent of what we see in, in other countries where, where prominent opponents of the government, prominent critics of the regime are targeted by regime supporters. And, and that's what this series of episodes looks like. You know, I think the, the most recent package that was discovered today was sent to uh, Robert De Niro's offices in, in New York and he is another one of these very prominent uh, Democratic activists who has been very vocally critical of the president and has also been singled out by the president for uh, – singled out for uh, – targeting is not the right word. Mm -hmm. But the president has been very clear and very vocal in, in naming people that he considers to be uh, opponents of his and opponents of his agenda – and identifying them for his followers. And, and De Niro falls into that category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the history of political violence here and the idea, which I, I think is we're hearing a lot of right now from the right, that this is a both sides issue, that the left encourages violence as much as the right does, that there's no political 
party or side that's more responsible for these kind of things. Is that true? Well, historically speaking, uh, political violence has been kind of equal opportunity, right? You go back to the 1960s and 1970s, and the, the majority of the politically motivated violence did come from the left. Uh, the the pendulum has swung. Um, we go through a period into the into the 80s where most of the politically motivated and socially motivated violence comes from the right, and it's primarily motivated by anti-abortion activism. Uh, into the 1990s, it swings back to the left, and the motivation there is pro-environmental. And as we get into the 2000s, you start to see a swing back to the right. And so I think we're in a period now where the, the primary focus, when you look around at, at sort of concerns about domestic extremism and radicalization, uh, in the American political context, you see most of the concern being focused on the far right wing of the American political spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Peter Trumbo, a professor of political science at Oakland University. We're talking about the suspicious packages that were mailed to prominent political figures yesterday that is apparently continuing today as they find more of these packages. Uh, are you horrified by the idea that these kinds of assassination attempts on two former presidents and several prominent political figures could happen in America in 2018? Or do you just see this as a sign of the times? Is this something that was predictable given the fevered pitch of rhetoric and the embrace of violence that we see from the occupant of the White House itself? Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Michael in Detroit. Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I see us here, and we're talking about these bomb packages, and I think it's important, I'm glad you guys brought up violence from both sides, because I know recently there were some suspicious packages sent to current members of the administration as well, containing some powdery substances that may or may not have been ricin. And, you know, it I know we're talking about how the pendulum is swinging, and I think the current momentum is actually getting out of hand on, on, on the left, on our side. We're, we're starting to see people in, on the coastal cities arrive with masks and boots, and, and you know, they're, they're coming to mean business to hit people with bike locks, and they're just acting really nasty. Just not the behavior, you know, that we need to, to, portray, to push our message. Hmm. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's something I think we need to talk about and start, you know, putting our foot down to say none of that. Yeah. Michael, I appreciate the the call and, and the comments. I, I, I think uh, th this is unmarked territory for, for all of us. And I think the reactions reflect that, the, the, the desperation that I think you hear from people, the fear that you hear from people. This is really, this is really different. Well, the political climate is certainly overheated and... Unfortunately, there is no there is no voice at the top of the administration that's trying to, to tamp down those flames. And in fact, it's it's the opposite. That the the rhetoric that the president uses, and and this goes back a long time. It goes back to certainly when he was campaigning. But you know, we've talked about before how how Trump has long celebrated power and strength and violence and advocated. Um, uh, those kinds of, of methods for for dealing with those that that might thwart or oppose him, um, you know, we don't get from the top a, a voice of calm and reason. We don't get a message of unity that that anyone can take seriously. 
You know, so yesterday, last night in, in, in the rally that, that he held it, and I think it was in, in Wisconsin, he made a point of, of saying, look how nicely I'm behaving. Mm-hmm. And it's all a wink and a nod that, you know, given his druthers, he wouldn't be behaving that way. But clearly someone told him that for this one day, I have to tone it down. And so, look, I'm doing it. But wink, wink, you all know that, that I would be much more uh, vocal about how I really feel. Uh, if, if, if I could be. And, and so I think it's only going to be a matter of, of yeah, I would be surprised if it's even days before he's back to using the same kind of language that, that he has used to describe his political opponents. I mean, he's, he's talked about in recent days Democrats as essentially traitorous, as wanting to open the borders so that Americans can be killed in their beds by gang members. And, and if you listen to that, and you are predisposed to believe that that maybe the president has a point, then I could. It's very easy to go from from listening to that rhetoric to believing that that Democrats are so dangerous to the country that that someone has to act, and so I'm going to do it. Uh, and 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 that's the dangerous moment that we're in. Sure. Sure. Michael, thanks very much again for the call and the comments. We've got lots of other folks here who want to talk about this issue. Jason in Dearborn, you're up next. What's on your mind? Uh, yes, thanks for uh, taking my call on this very important issue. Um, one thing that I um, immediately comes to mind, I grew up in an era after the Oklahoma City bombing, um, the Tennessee McVeigh and kind of that militia movement that was very active in the 90s, um, very politically motivated uh, from the right uh, wing of the political spectrum in this country. And, you know, having grown up in, in that time period and having that as an, a very impressionable event in my life, um, I look to it now as, you know, in the aftermath of that, we really viewed that as an aberration. That was something that, you know, this was like a lone wolf or a small group of, you know, um, unstable people. Where I really, I've always kind of seen that as a symbol of, you know, a group of people in this country who are willing to do horrendous things in the name of their political beliefs. And uh, I was just wondering if your uh, guest could comment on kind of like the aftermath effects of uh, Oklahoma City. Jason, thanks very much for the call and the provocative question. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a great question. You know, what's interesting is that um, that. You know, Jason brings up Oklahoma City, and even in the immediate aftermath of, of that attack, when when Timothy McVeigh was 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 facing the death penalty, you know, there was a public opinion polling that was done that that basically asked people whether or not they had agreed with what McVeigh had had done, the action he had taken. And there was a meaningful percentage of the American public that actually agreed with McVeigh that that drastic action needed to be taken against the United States government to rein in its tyrannical impulses. You know, this sort of stuff has been floating around for a while. It, it went a little dormant uh, after, uh, after Oklahoma City. It began to uh, return in the 2000s. It was relatively quiet during the Bush administration. But then it really sort of roared back uh, with full force in, in the Obama years. And in the days leading up to the 2016 presidential election, there was a lot of online discussion in anti-government right-wing militia circles about, first, what to do if Trump lost and whether or not – if Trump was not going to honor the outcome, if they would need to take up arms to defend what they consider to be the true president. 
So there was that. And then there was also here in Michigan, uh, there were plans uh, among a, a number of, of militia groups to hold essentially strategic uh, planning meetings in the days immediately after the election. They had, and they described as November 9th, a storm is coming, is what some of the material read. And, and these were meetings that were planned for Lapeer to plot out the militia strategy for dealing with a Clinton White House. And so this idea that there are folks sort of uh, floating around who uh, are armed and organized and who believe that they have a patriotic duty to take up arms against their own, their own government uh, is, is a real thing. And, and it's one that we uh, ignore to our peril. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about these suspicious packages mailed to prominent Democratic political figures. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. We will get to more of your calls. Ronald in Waterford, Aaron in Detroit, Brandon in Detroit. We will talk with you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest is Peter Trumbor. He is professor and chair of the political science department at Oakland University. We are talking about the suspicious mail bombs that were mailed to prominent Democratic political figures both yesterday and it is continuing today. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, tell us how you are reacting to this news. Are you surprised? Are you afraid? Or do you just figure this is the way things are headed in our political discourse? 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Ronald in Waterford. Ronald, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning. How mm-hmm. are you today? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm, I'm afraid, and I think, I, I, I hope not, uh, but I think I'm one of many people that see what's happening to the country and listen to the rhetoric, and people forget we're just all people. Whether you're a Democrat, you're an independent, you're a Republican, we're people. We just want to live, get on with our lives, enjoy our children, and have peace. And I, I am just extremely afraid that the rhetoric coming out of the White House and the just vitriol of the, the political a situation that we're in um, leads to things like today with mm. some people or persons who are doing these things with these bombs, whether they're really bombs or not bombs, it frightens people. And I am disappointed. I am disgusted that our current leader uh, doesn't get this. And I was one of your uh, guests made a comment about the rally that was just held. It's it's just I I never ever ever thought that I'd be in a position to be as fearful as I am now, 
in the United States. Ronald, uh, I appreciate the call and the comments. I think there are a lot of people who are waking up today thinking exactly that way, that that fear that somehow we have passed over into another era where um, where this kind of violence might be regular or somehow normalized. I really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, let's go to David in New Boston. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes. Uh, hi. My question for your guest is uh, every time there's an incident like this, you know, your pundits and your people on, in the media always say both sides need to calm down the rhetoric. And I know they, they say that because they, they feel they have to be fair and balanced, but it really isn't fair and balanced because this is really a, on the Republican side. This has been going on. This fear and hate program to, to stay in power has started with Newt Gingrich and has carried forward to now for 30 years. And the Democrats don't have people on their side like a Newt Gingrich or Steve Bannon or Mark Levine on the radio or Rush Limbaugh on the radio or, the, or Trump in his tweets. I just think, you know, the media needs to be uh, truthful about this. This is a Republican issue. Not to say there's not crazy people on the Democrat side, but we do not have people in power and on the radio espousing the hate and fear the way the Republicans do. And they do it because they know that's the only way to stay in power because they don't have the the lead in the popular vote. David. So they use fear and and hate to stay in power. David, I think that's a a very, very important point. And you're right that... uh, in this era, at least, there are not democratic corollaries to someone like Newt Gingrich. There's a wonderful article in The Atlantic, uh, I think, this week that talks about Newt Gingrich and his role, uh, the the role of changing our politics, of making it blood sport, uh, that you don't have a democratic answer to. Um, and and we got to be honest about that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think David makes a, a an appropriate point. Is one of the things we've seen happening over the last twenty or five twenty five years or so is at least in, on the Republican side is have been the the fringes moving into the mainstream and being uh, in some in some ways co opting the organization and and I think that that the 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 triumph of Donald Trump really sort of is the culmination of that exercise that what we have seen is the party essentially surrender to the president and become his vehicle, um, this, this fear of, of opposing the president, this fear that you see in, in longtime establishment Republicans of, of speaking ill of, of the president's rhetoric um, because of, of their concern about losing the, the support of their own, own voters. You know, I think all the way across the board here, we've seen this devil's bargain in in Republican politics, and now it's all kind of coming home to roost, and it's going to be interesting to see how they get out of it. Yeah. Do they do they lean more into it, or do they go back to some sort of normalization? That is a key question about the presidency of Donald Trump. If, That's right. if it's four years, if it's eight years, if it's somehow suspended earlier than that, what does the Republican Party turn to right. after that? And and do some of these Republicans who have who have left the party or have distanced themselves, do they make a real serious effort at creating a new center right party, um, and essentially say, look, the, the the Republican Party that we knew is dead, and now let's let's make something let's new. Let's do something else. Now let's try to get another call in here before we end the show. Megan in Ferndale, welcome to Detroit oh, today. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? Um, 
I just wanted to share that um, I actually I'm I'm not on Facebook anymore because of all of the hype, and I don't watch the news anymore because of all the sensationalism. And um, I usually find all my news out from my husband, um, you know, who keeps up with it. Um, but I'm burnt out uh, from all of the mm. news, all the media, um, the bomb threats, um, you know, the Netflix documentaries. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I don't know where to look anymore. Wow, Megan, that's a very powerful sentiment. That idea of being burnt out, I think, is one of the things that that a lot of people are reflecting right now. And and Peter, we've got about a, a minute left. But that does that does get to where we turn next, yeah. what we do now. How do we how do we de-escalate? That's one of the things I've been talking to my children about a lot lately is the idea of de-escalating things. Somebody says something that you don't like, you don't go back and double down on right. the, the animosity. Maybe you just sort of sit back and and uh, try to try to move things in a different direction. That's that's a hard thing to do, but it's never been more necessary than now. I would agree. Um, I think we cannot count on the appropriate tone being set from the top, and that means that to recapture civil discourse in this country is is up to people like us um, to to engage in a civil way with those with whom we disagree and to, to challenge them to engage in, in a healthy way as well. Um, it can be done. I mean, the, I, the, the event that we did on campus last night as we watched the gubernatorial debate was a terrific example. The, the room was probably 50-50 split Republicans and Democrats, and, and everybody had a chance to express their opinion, and it was all done in, a, in, a, in, in an atmosphere of, of respect and a willingness to listen to each other. And not that listening meant that we had to agree, but certainly that meant that we didn't need to attack each other in order to make our points. And, and the more of that that we can do, uh, whether it's in our homes or in our, 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 our churches or our civic organizations or just in, in our conversations with people we run into, you know, at the coffee shop, yeah. uh, I think it's going to require us to make that change. Right. Peter Trumbor, professor and chair of the political science department at Oakland University. Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. Glenn Washington, host of Snap Judgment, will be here. You can still join us. Go to WDET.org slash give. Uh, donate $600. And you can join us for breakfast and the show. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.